Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It is March 23rd, 2015. Today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, How It Works, and we are at page 63, paragraph 2. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Nancy S., 12 Traditions, Amy W., Um, our readers of the text are Susie K., Sharon R.S., and Du L. The share code for yesterday, Sunday, March 24th, 2015, is 7412. 7412 on our special edition presentation by a recovered compulsive overeater, Kim G., on a close look at Step 3 from our big book text. Okay, our um, OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that... is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask um, Nancy S. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Thank you. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do this service. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. I will now ask Amy W. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. This is Amy W., compulsive overeater from California. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting our groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Well, thank you, Amy. How our meeting works, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Okay, today we resume our study in the uh, big book on the chapter 5, page 63. I'm just going to clarify it a little bit that we're going to start on that page, 63, paragraph 2, which begins we now are at step 3. That's going to be read for context only, and we're going to 
make our comments and focus on the next paragraph, which begins, we found it very desirable, ending with we felt at once. Okay, thank you. Okay, Susie. Susie Great, Kay. Janice. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Great. Susie Kay, grateful, recovered, compulsive eater in Maine. We are now at step three. Many of us said to our makers, we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help with thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking the step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. We found it very desirable to take the spiritual step with an understanding person, such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. But it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation. This was only a beginning, though it was honestly and humbly made. In effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. And um, I'm just focused in this um, second paragraph I just read uh, on the word optional. And so this, um, the wording of this prayer is available to be chosen but not obligatory. Um, and um, my sponsor had me write my own version of the third step prayer. And so I did take that optional approach and choose um, an option of, of that that came from within me, and it goes something like this: Dear benevolent and unfathomable life force guiding me, I turn my whole self over to you. I know nothing except my own very opinionated and creative view of everything. I am human and will blunder over and over again, but by seeking you and inviting you into my thoughts and spiritual life, I believe I can live more graciously as one among the earth's inhabitants. With you, I am more amused, present, easygoing, and willing. Without you, I am directive, easy to anger, fearful, and selfish. I pray for the willingness to draw you near me and welcome you into my life each day. And I pass. Okay, thank you, Susie Kay. Okay, anyone would like to comment on that paragraph? We found it very desirable. Renata. Renata, and who else? Okay, go ahead. This is Lois. Okay, Lois. We'll have Renata and Lois. Thank you, Janice. Uh, Good morning, everyone. this is Renata, Recovered Compost for Reading, New York. The first word uh, I want to focus on uh, are without reservation. So when I take this step three, when I took step three, you know, when I made a decision, uh, I had to let go of all my reservation, right? And that for me meant let go of my old ideas, let go of trying to work this program my way. Uh, let go of, you know, take what you want, leave the rest. I had to complete surrender to the directions that were presented in front of me. And uh, it says, this was only a beginning. Though it's honestly and humbly made, 
an effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. And the great effect that it had for me when I took the step was that I finally understood that my life depended on this. You know, that I needed to go through with the rest of the steps. Otherwise, you know, the decision I was making had no had no value. Had, had, it, would, it, it would not provide any change. And so when I let go absolutely, I was able to see that without working the rest of the steps, I would be doomed. I would still live in my disease. And, uh, you know, for me, what it really translated uh, like was that, you know, my life depends on this. And I need to do whatever it takes to to move forward, not to get stuck again, because I would get stuck on the steps over and over and over and never move forward, either because of fear or because of I thought I knew a better way or whatever it was, or, if, you know, for picking up the food. And uh, so that wasn't, you know, my experience on this. Thanks for letting me share that. Thank you, Renata. Lois, it's your turn. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Lois M. in Massachusetts, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, I'm, I'm so very, first of all, I'm very grateful for uh, our wonderful um, group here, a Vision for You, that, you know, really goes into great depth uh, to um, help our recovering body of people here. And uh, yesterday's was wonderful, and this is another one, of course. But my, I wanted to comment on, I, I guess there were like three very important words, build, uh, persevere, and decision. So the first word I want to you know, comment on for me was, um, Lord, uh, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as you will, as thou wilt. And um, and for me, that reminds me, which I persevere every day, saying this ever since I started studying the big book, and way before I it was even relieved of the bondage of uh, food. But um, so the um, the building with me is very very important because it reminds me, you know, that this this is a process, and um, I'm not going to uh, be you know, uh, struck well all of a sudden and sane, and I was not. So, you know, for me, this is a reminder every day that I'm in the process. I'm in the, I'm in the river of recovery, and uh, you know, and he's as long as I show up and offer to to uh, turn my will over, that he he will my for me he will be there for me, one day at a time, granting me. Um, abstinence and helping me to stay in fit spiritual condition, a reminder. And the second word is persevere, because this is something that I've been doing. I could probably count on one hand how many days. I don't start my day like this. doesn't mean I'm always successful. But I do persevere with this, because when I came into these halls and opened the book, cracked open the book, and read, read about these things and understood them by other people sharing, you know, I knew, I knew in my heart and my soul that this was the answer for me. And I kept, you know, persevering, and I still persevere today. Thank you, God. And then the other thing is a decision, you know, made, made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God as, as I understood him. And that, that was a tough one for me. First of all, 
as a recovery as a as a compulsive overeater, I never made a decision based on others other than myself or getting what I needed or you know beating beating myself up because I didn't know what I was doing and I couldn't persevere. So the decision for me was a tough one, and once again, it was an ongoing. I made a decision to try keep trying to do this every day. And and that was the beginning of being able, after going through the rest of the steps, that was the decision I made, to continue to do the work, uh, not perfectly and in, many times imperfectly in the beginning. But I did make that decision, and every day, luckily, I could do it again because I couldn't make a long-term decision. And and that worked for me. So if you're new and you're coming back, you know, just remember that this is a process, and if we take this one day at a time, God will and can and will persevere with you and and lead you uh, forward to um, recover from from this compulsive overeating, cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. And I'm very grateful for everyone on the line. Thank you, and I pass. Well, thank you, Lois. I want to thank take you. a minute. Yeah, you're welcome. I want to take a minute on this paragraph because it, it, this is what it means to me. Uh, my name is Janice M, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm very grateful. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person. Well, this is in hindsight now. So they just got finished. You know, they're going to make this decision. They're going to make this, uh, uh, like I did, uh, make a commitment. And I, and I made it in front of and with a, um, a witness. A witness, and, 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 you know, when you're first starting out, you decide, you're going to decide who you're going to do this with. Who is this commitment going to be with? And at that time, there wasn't too many sponsors available in 1939. So they had to maybe use their wife or their husband or friend or spiritual advisor, which, you know. But for me, I chose a recovered compulsive overeater who understood why I was taking this spiritual step and uh, today we have a lot of sponsors you know i can remember well you know maybe i won't go to a sponsor i'll go to my my church spiritual advisor which is fine but i knew my motive because see my 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 spiritual advisor wouldn't have any comment doesn't know about compulsive overeating and i thought i could probably get away with something so to be honest, you know, I I did ask my um, my my sponsor, and and I did get an effect. You know, it was at a meeting, and it was next to a to the church that I worship, and we did it. You know, holding hands and on the steps, and I did get an effect. You know, the effect that I got was I was I just felt like oh I wasn't recovered yet or anything like that, but I just felt a different change in me, and which was just the beginning. And so today, most of us, like it says, uh, an understanding person for me would be an ex-problem compulsive overeater that knows why I'm doing this so that I can get a different outcome, a spiritual outcome. With that, I pass. Is there anyone else that would like to comment on this paragraph? This is Jane. Wait, now I heard Larry and I heard, is it Jane? Jane S. Yeah, that's who I heard, Jane S. Okay, I heard Jane S., I heard Larry, I heard Vasa. Let's go with Vasa, with those, Jane S., Larry, and Vasa O. Um, Jane S. first? Yes, 
Okay, this is Jane S., a recovered compulsive eater from Pennsylvania. Um, I, when I started, I, I've taken or said this third step prayer many times in my years uh, of trying to work the OA program um, over the past 30 years. And uh, I always, I had trouble because of my perfectionism. Um, I would always carry perfectionism into my step work, and I never felt like I'm not, uh, I'm not taking this step well enough. I'm not completely uh, turning my will and my life over to God, and it just really would trip me up. And uh, I, when I started uh, getting into the big book, uh, which was it kind of started by going to um, a, a big book weekend uh, thing in South Jersey, and the presenter there spoke about the third step, this willingness to turn my will and my life as just being a decision to go on with the rest of the steps, steps four through nine, and a willingness to do that. And boy, did a light bulb go off. It's like, it, it just uh, put it in easy terms. It's like, yeah, I want to do that. I can do that. And uh, so um, as I have done that and as I have recovered, the great outcome is I see this program works. I see changes in my life, um, miraculous changes uh, in my mind and my spirit and my relationships. And therefore, that makes me all the more want to turn over every aspect of my life to my higher power. Um, and that's what's happening one day at a time. Um, that's all I have, uh, and I pass. Well, thank you, Jane S. Good morning. Larry, your turn. Good morning, Janice. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. So, you know, when I, when I think of the, you know, zeroing, on the, zeroing in on the, uh, second, the second paragraph we read, you know, it takes me back to just how I was working this program and reflection. Um, you know, if you're an addict like me, I want instant results. In other words, back in the day, see if this resonates with you, I, I'll start a diet and I'm going to weigh myself, you know, an hour after I start the diet. Is it working? <laughs> you, know, is the, you know, is the weight coming off? Uh, oh, it's not. Oh, that's not working. Uh, next next thing, you know, and, you know, so in, in taking step three, you know, I'll proceed with the rest of the steps, you know, from an ego-centered, very insulated, risk-adverse state of mind, impenetrable from the sunlight of the spirit. There was no sunlight of the spirit that was going to enter me at that point. I was still full of self, and I speak from experience, not from theory. You know, or or I'll, I'll take my ball and go home, you know, <laughs> proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that the program of action doesn't work because I don't feel better. See, really what I want, it wasn't perfectionism for me so much as I wanted to feel better. And you know what I wanted to feel better? Now, I demand it. That's, that's, the, that's just how ego-centered I was. You know, there's a, there's a few Latin terms that, that I would suggest ties in perfectly for me. 
you know, with this invitation granted in step three, which is an affirmative declaration, that's all it is. Acta non verba. Acta non verba. It it translates into action, not words. Which which, you know, ironically leads to another Latin term, <clears throat> which is um ad astra per aspera, which is to the stars through difficulty to the star through difficulty. So it was through these steps. Those were going to be the most difficult things. But that, but I couldn't have this. I want the promises, and I want them now, and I want them on day one. I want them because I deserve them. I don't feel good right now, and I want them, and I want them now. Give them to me. You know, and that's really, even though that almost sounds absurd to say that, that really was how I was practicing this program. Um, you know, John Steinbeck, a writer, he used this, this Latin reference um, to suggest it's uh, ad astra per alia porsi, which is the stars on the wings of a pig, which sounds funny to me. But he, he used this term because it was like he was saying, in other words, in the context of the program, we must aspire courageously through these steps, although we are limited, earthbound creatures, you know. We're not going to get – we're not – not not Pegasus, like, you know, the mighty winged horse, easily reaching the heavens, you know, in that, in that in mythology. Steinbeck created Pegasus, <clears throat> you know, pursuing the stars, but always cognizant of his limitations. You know, on the wings of a pig. And that, you know, that we're not saints. We're not saints. So it's perseverance, it's patience. I had to learn a tremendous amount of perseverance and patience, which I had none when I got to this program. I have a little bit more now. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Well, thank you, Larry S. Okay, Vasa O, your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Sorry for the interruption, Janice. Anyways, I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Overeater calling from from Florida. Yeah, we found it very desirable to take a spiritual step with understanding persons such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor, but it's better it is better to meet God alone with, than with one who might misunderstand. And the first time I did the first, the third step, I did it um, by myself in the bathroom because I didn't want anybody to see me, my husband or my kids. I didn't want them to think I've gone crazy. And I did that the first meeting I went to my Overeaters Anonymous years ago. But my sponsor, the person that brought me to the program, she showed me how to do it, but we didn't do the third step, step the way it's laid out right here. And I just, you know, used my own words, you know, but I was just so, I had the gift of desperation in those days, and I was willing and ready to surrender with the food, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready to surrender to God with my life and my will. I was terrified to do that. But, again, I remember saying, you know, getting on my knees with the door locked in the bathroom, saying, Dear Heavenly Father, I surrender, and I put the food in your hands, and I put myself and my life and my will in your hands. Please help me and, and relieve me from this food obsession of food bondage that I have, that I have developed over the years. And I did have a spiritual, it, it, it something happened. It came over me. I call it a spiritual experience. There was a big change in me that moment. I felt like the burden just lifted on my shoulders. But that was with the food, you know. I didn't know much about my life and my will. I didn't know much about the, 
uh, emotions or the, the disease and stuff like that. I wanted to be relieved from the emotional pain right away, you know, and I was going to two therapists and paying two people for for a while because I wanted to get better quickly, you know. I I am compulsive person. It's not just with the food, you know. I didn't have the patience just to take it easy. But, you know, as I was going, I was learning, you know, to be gentle and to be, you know, not to be so hard on myself and take the steps as they laid out. And I'm just going to, I didn't get the real formal step, you know, on my knees. Uh, Over the phone I did it and with another person. And that came when I was ready, when I was ready to start the writing. So, you know, it, again, you know, things, God it was doing for me gradually, you know, and, and he still does. I let God be there, and, but I, I'm, it's perseverance, you know. It's putting one foot in front of the other and just let God take care of, help me in every area of my life. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Is there anyone else who would like to comment on this paragraph before we go on? This is Bella. Can I share? Yes, you sure can. This is Wait a minute, now I heard Bella. Did I hear Kathy? No, Sally. Oh, Sally, yes. Okay, Sally and And somebody in Vermont. Judith. Judith in the UK. Okay, two Judiths. Judith in Vermont and Judith in... London, UK. Oh, London. Yes, okay, we'll go with... And Alice M. Okay, we'll have Bella, Sally, Judy in Vermont, Judith in London, and Alice M. Good group. Go ahead. You're up, Bella. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such... A wonderful, wonderful paragraph. This was only a beginning. A beginning of what? A beginning of freedom. A beginning to live life with enjoy, without fear, without anger. And how did, how did it happen? It happened because, thank you God, I have the opportunity to meet God alone. Yes, God was always in my life, but I was afraid to meet him. I was afraid to feel him. For me, God was a punishing God. I was scared from him. I was afraid because I was always thought that I am judged by this God. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. It was only the beginning to meet God, to meet a a higher power that loves me and respects me and wants me. Yes, this was only the beginning. To give over completely my ego, to give over my power. Yes, to surround to, to surround it to God, to a power that loves me and respects me because I am human. Yes, thank you, God. And this was only the beginning. It's a process. It's not in a one to three. It's a process. But everything, we need a beginning. And this was the beginning to accept myself as human. And yes, I am choosing 
one day at a time to be connected to this loving power, to meet God alone, because I want to be connected to this loving power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella. Sally, it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. I would like to speak to uh, these sentences, voicing it without reservation. This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made, an effect sometimes a very great one was felt at once. This was for me, this was a very important step for me. Step, step three was where, for me, I believe that I began to become very unblocked. It was the beginning of my becoming unblocked. And um, this voicing it without reservation, first of all, this reminds me of um, the impulsive nature of me. And, and I know there must be others out there who share this particular character defect of mine of impulsivity. Um, and this is a huge character defect of mine, this impulsivity. And, you know, because I would come to step, you know, Step three with such an impulsivity of, come on, let's go, let's get on, let's move on to step four. I got this. And I was very impulsive to get through the steps, not realizing that right here, right now, this is where I need to be. But voicing it without reservation, taking step three is a step that many of us want to run up to. It's almost like we're, we're in a war, okay? Picture World War II, and you're in the trenches, and you jump out of the trench, and you run forward toward this, toward this um, destination, whatever this destination is, and bullets are flying. And suddenly you realize, oh, my goodness, those are real bullets that are flying at me. And you stop, and you want to turn around and run the other direction. And the thing is, this is how I have often approached life. I didn't count the cost. I would jump out of the trench and run toward the bullets and then realize, oh, my goodness, these are real bullets that are coming toward me. Wait a minute and count the cost. But here when it says voicing it without reservation, I must tell you, this is where you make a decision. You put the pedal to the metal and you make the decision. I'm going to do this thing. I understand the full cost and the full weight of what I'm about to do. You see, we now at this point at step three, we understand that we have this allergy of our body, and we should understand by now this, this mental aspect of our disease. So we should understand that we have this twofold illness of our body, the mental aspect and the physiological allergy part of my disease. Also, we should understand thoroughly at this point that there is the spiritual aspect for, for us, that we, have, that we have been relying on self for our life, for our whole life. We've been relying on self. We've been self-sufficient. We've been self-reliant. And once and for all, we, have, we understand finally the lack of power. That was our dilemma, that we need to do something different, that step three, we're going to turn and do something different, and we're going to embrace a power outside of ourselves. So now we're not running anymore toward the bullets blindly. We know what we're doing. We, we understand it. And voicing it without reservation, we need to take this step. This was only a beginning because here we go. We're going to set a pace. We're going to start rowing toward the shore of the land of recovered. And though it, if honestly and humbly made, these are just two of the key components, willingness, 
a belief in a power greater than ourselves, and honesty. Thank you. Honesty and humility. Bottom of page 13, bottom of page 57. These are the components. And effect, sometimes a very great one, was felt at once. Thanks for letting me share with that. And thank you, Sally. Judith from Vermont, it's your turn. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everybody. This is Judith R. Um, Now on the list, I'm Judith Jane. Um, I was so smart when I came into these rooms um, because God had had mercy on me and I had found God before I found the rooms. And I did eventually take this step with a sponsor, but I took it before that many times by myself and I thought I knew better than, than the book. I knew that step three was really the step. And four through ten, well, they were sort of details. And step three was really the epitome of what the program was all about. And so that was the most important thing. Then I couldn't understand my, why my life wasn't working because I'd taken step three and I had given my life and my will to God. So why wasn't everything perfect? Um, plus, I had given my... And I really thought well before I gave my life to God. But my will, which included my food, that was something else. So I was I was really cross-eyed when I was looking at, at step three. I did not understand, which I now understand because of this meeting and, and a better understanding of the big book, that step three is a hop, skip, and a jump step to four and then the rest. Um, so... I'm grateful that um, that I've met God with with my sponsors several times since then, as well as alone. And with that, I'll test. Thanks. Well, thank you, Judith. Okay, we have Judith from London. Your turn. Thanks. This is Judith, recovered in uh, London, UK. And thank you, everybody, for your service today. It's a wonderful thing to be here. Um, and yeah, this uh, I think that's you know this key turning point in our lives. Um, well, it tells us later it's going to be the keystone to a arch to a huge new beautiful life. The three words that stood out to me here um, utterly from the last paragraph that we have to do this utterly and humbly and honestly um, before we can go forward. And um, a lot of things that I heard over the years, I I just didn't really hear those until I got to really study the big book with all of you. Um, so, so for me, what is utterly? It's like everything. Like, am I ready? Like, utterly? Have I really? Do I really get that I'm done, or am I just kind of hanging out, thinking maybe there'll be another chance, and if I could just lick this the first time? Um, <clears throat> um, but is it? Do I really get it? Like, am I done with myself, abandoning myself, my own answers? the answers of even some of the ways in which I'd worked away for 20-something years. Am I done utterly, forever, completely? And if I could say yes, because of, as somebody said in step one, I'm sure I have this horrible allergy, it's just terrifying. And I also have this crazy mental illness, this mental twist that tells me to do it again. And then I'm sure I can't do it myself and that there is something higher needed here. And it's more than just going to meetings and using the tools. Um, if I'm utterly sure and clear, then it's ready to go. So that word really got me. It does every single morning as I say this prayer. I try to do it with all my soul and my heart. And then, you know, to be really honest, like, am I really thinking that? Like, is that true for me? Is that my truth, that I am better off turning my life, 
that's my actions and my um, you know my life and my will sort of my thought life and my action life over to this higher power am I being honest when I say that and um, I I every day I try to stop and really do it deeply and if I just kind of recite the prayer and I go on I have to stop myself again and do it again and then humble being human you know humble and having a humility at this stage in the time was really critical because I knew like somebody else said I knew so much about the program I had to do the set aside prayer ten times a day because I thought I knew it all and I couldn't figure out what I was missing out and it's usually because uh, you know have been I know now certainly for the sponsees that I work with now is like step one and two have to be taken solidly as slow as necessary in order to really grasp it so that I and they can really give it up and this is just simply the decision like somebody says you stand on the side of the pool you don't actually jump in you're just making a decision you'll jump in shortly and then um, something I wrote down about this a while back which I love to share with people is just you know remember it's our mind it's the mind that isn't surrendered and that will get us half drunk before we're even half drunk I just love that saying I, I love it so much I just I mean I try to remind myself all the time it's the mind triggering everything else so am I making a decision right now to just turn that mind all my thoughts not just about food but life thinking everything over to higher power and for me then that helps me walk through that arch every single day and with that I'll pass thank you hmm, thank you Judith uh, from London okay Alice M it's your turn thank you good morning Janice and this is Alice M a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida and um, you know, I had to look at you know step three in the big book. It's just it's just two paragraphs in there, and so I really need to get meaning from this. And you know, how do I identify in? How do I get meaning out of it? Um, and I look, and you know, beforehand, you know, step steps one and two basically call for reflection. You know, I look at them as the mental state, the mental steps of this program. Step one gives me the insight into all my faulty thinking. And, you know, shows me the reality of my powerlessness. So I get my powerlessness in step one. Step two gives me hope, you know, that hope that there's, there can be a positive change in my life. And then there's step three. And, and this is all my, my opinion, which is all our opinion on this. I don't stand for anybody else. Um, I don't speak for anybody else. But um, step three is a step that takes my recovery then into the outside world. It calls for decision. Step three for me is like the bridge between the mental part, between steps one and two, and then the action part, which is the remaining steps going forward. So it's the decision of this third third step that gives me the possibility of connecting it. It's, this is where the, you know I'm going to make the, the reality. Okay, I'm making the decision, the commitment to go forward. You know, because having insight about myself and having hope that my life can improve uh, does not automatically produce change for me. It doesn't. I sat in steps one and two for a long time. Only change makes change, I found. Make change, that's what makes the change. Um, and for me, that change, it rarely happens. It rarely has happened by accident and just good intentions on my part. You know, I have to decide that things will be different. And then I have to follow through with the actions, which are the following steps. So in step three, you know, I commit myself to deliberate action, to making those changes. I commit myself, I will do these things. You know, I, um, I am, it's a step where I'm taking full responsibility and, you know, full responsibility and beginning to guide my own destiny. Um, 
you know, I'm going to begin to make these changes in my thoughts and behaviors. You know, basically for me, it's I commit myself to a program of behavior modification, period. It's what it is, basically. You know, I will find out my character defects going forward, and I will change them. And, I, and I'm finding that this change, um, it takes a lot of patience and persistence and, and practice. You know, just practice and thinking, feeling, and acting in new ways. Just, just practice. You know, that's the acting as if part almost for me. It's just try these new ways. Try them out, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm finding that if I work at this process of change, and some people call, call this the, the spiritual experience by, you know, ch- a change in thought and behavior or a psychic change. If I work at this long enough, I'll eventually become what I practice. You know, I'll, I'll learn to live well. I'll learn to live well among my fellows, be that less self-centered, selfish person and more hey, giving, hey. more of service. Hey. All right, thank you. And uh, I just wanted to say also that I did to rewrite, uh, wrote my own, personal third step uh, statement and I think it's so helpful it's so helpful for me to do that and I pass thanks well thank you Alice M okay we're going to go on okay um, Sharon R.S. will you continue and read that last paragraph for us star one to unmute Sharon R.S. the next paragraph Okay, do. Can you want to finish up and read this paragraph for us? Okay, I was on mute. I was talking away. All right, here I am. Good morning, Janice, and good morning to all. This is Sharon R.S. Next, we launched out on a course of rigorous action, the first step of which is a personal housekeeping, which many of us had never attempted. Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, It could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. This uh, reminds me, it it brings to mind page 133. It's something that at the meeting I go to is read every week and that a body badly burned by alcohol does not recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. Uh, We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. So this paragraph, uh, with that in mind, we look at this, this paragraph where we've just done step three, we have this relief, we have this... Uh, elation, we, we've made this connection with this higher power that's going to help solve our problems. But Bill says immediately we had to launch into a course of rigorous and uh, a rigorous action. You know, we had to get moving. Just it's rigorous. It's going to be lively, active, strong, healthy, robust. We have to work hard at it. And, and, and the first thing that we do, and it says here, the first step, so there's going to be many steps that we're going to take uh, with this rigorous action, but the first is this personal house clean, keeping, this house cleaning. We have to get in there. There's things that have been blocking us, that have been keeping us 
uh, from doing uh, living life fully. And we we have a bit of a mess. A mess. We have some twisted thinking. Uh, that the way we're looking at life is 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 creating the messes and the dysfunction uh, in our lives, and so uh, we need to uh, get in there and and rigorously with with a lot of effort, with a lot of determination, we've got to buck up and do our do the work that uh, the big book is calling for us to do. And this isn't something that we're going to just lay back and take it easy and do. We are going to have to get up. We're going to have to work hard. We're going to have to face the things in us that have twisted our thinking. Our thinking is is not twisted on its own. There are some things that we're doing. So we're going to get in there, clean that out, and um, get down to causes and conditions. What are the things that are causing us to not live life fully? And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Sharon R.S. Okay, would someone like to... Kelsey? I'm sorry. Mary B. All right, I want to hear Chelsea and Mary B. And tomorrow, I'm sure we we will come back to this paragraph. So you'll have time again. Chelsea, please go ahead. Thank you, Janice. Thanks for your service, and sorry for stepping on you. Um, this is Chelsea. I'm a reco- Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today, and I want to speak to the sentence. Um, Though our decision was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless we at once, unless it was at once followed by strenuous effort, and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. So um, this really reinforces the fact that I don't have time to waste at this point. Once the decision's made, if I don't take any action, then it's just folly. I'm just kidding myself. And it says to me here also, too, that um, I had never attempted to take this part of the work, and I hadn't. I also had never really taken the time to um, even do the work that was required before I could take this vital and crucial step. So once I had said that I had made that decision, and that confirms that step three is just a decision, I don't need to look any further or do any more lengthy investigations. Is it a decision? Is it not? Does it require lengthy writing? It tells me right here, once that decision is made, at once, at once I have to get rolling with this thing. I don't have time to waste anymore. Because the the idea that that I just expressed, it said that the wording was quite optional. And that was good news for me. But I had to express the idea. So what was the idea that I was making a decision about? That had to be clear to me. And the idea was is that I had to make a decision to be turned from self-centered to other-centered, service, a life of service. I didn't know all the facts about it or anything at this point. Didn't even know that. But at this point, I had to express it without reservation, and then I had to take action on whatever it was that it was that I decided at that point I'm going to do the rest of the work. Because I'm really finding out, and I said this before, and I, st- I heard it said, and I love this, is that it is not what we say on our knees. It's what we do on our feet. 
I could be on my knees, all kinds of elaborate prayers and everything. I can quote the Bible. I mean, I was seeped in the Bible most of my life. None of that matters to me at this point. None of this matters. What matters is that I express the idea that I am willing to be turned by whatever it is, because this happens to me, not by me. I can't do it. That's why I'm powerless. So I'm just really grateful that I could read this today and see that it's ourselves that's the issue. We're getting rid of self that has been blocking us from the sunlight of the spirit. And I'm grateful today that I'm willing every morning to get up and to connect with whatever it is that's at the totality of it all. And one day at a time, the bondage of self is lifted. Thanks. And I pass. And thank you, Chelsea H. Is it Mary? It's your turn. Was it Mary? Who else will give a three-minute comment? Yes, this is Mary B. from California. Okay, we'll do Mary B., please, and you'll be our last for today. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you for your service, Janice. Uh, Yes, I'm Mary B. from California, calling from Arizona this morning. Um, I just want to share a visual that I have um, that explains why I need to continue after making the decision to turn my will and my life over to this higher power. I want to fill up. Instead of filling up with food, I want to fill up with this wonderful, loving power. But there's something in the way. And my visual is a brand new bottle of aspirin, a big bottle of aspirin. And those aspirin represent my character defects. And I need to get that higher power in to clean that up. But what is in the way is that cotton at the top of the bottle, which is the food that I stuffed in to hold those feelings down. And I just kept stuffing it and stuffing it because I was so afraid to feel my feelings. And as I take that cotton out with my abstinence and take this fourth step with another recovered compulsive eater, I start to get those aspirin out of the bottle. And as I make room in that bottle for this higher power to get in, and I just keep cleaning it out and cleaning it out, And that higher power has no room if I hold on to all those negative feelings and my negative thoughts and my negative actions. So that's me. I like analogies and I like visuals. And I just really have found this one very useful to explain why I need to make room for my higher power to fill me up. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Mary, and thank you to everyone who has shared and those that want to share will come back tomorrow. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll do, L. please read a vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what we can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you unto them. Pass.